0: Taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, just a quick reminder if you want to find out more about Robert James Coaching, you can go to my Instagram page, Robert James Coaching UK or my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. I hope you enjoy the podcast today. It's a good one. And thanks for listening. So today I'm joined by uh, Amanda Patrick Gardner. Amanda is a licensed clinical professional counsellor in private practice in Topeka, I'm not sure if I'm saying yeah, that. Lovely. You are. Uh, <laughs> lovely. Uh, Kansas, she specializes in the treatment of OCD, body focused repetitive behaviors, and anxiety disorders. Amanda is on the board for OCD Kansas, an affiliate of the OCD Foundation. She is also the creator of the OCD coloring book. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Thank you for coming on. So, um, first of all, I just wanted to, uh, to ask you, like, why, why did you decide to become a, uh, a therapist?
1: Yeah, so I actually chose to go into this field back when I was in high school. You know, I chose a psychology course and probably yeah. went into it for the wrong reasons. I was that person everybody went to it for advice. Right. And then I go into graduate school and the first thing they tell you is being a therapist does not give an advice. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I went into it. But luckily, it's been the perfect fit. I never changed my major. I've never switched any other career. It's everything yeah. that I ever wanted to do. Just probably didn't get, go into it for the right reasons.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. OK. Mm-hmm. And, and why did you end up uh, wanting to specialize in helping people with with OCD and anxiety disorders?
1: Yeah, um, when I worked at a community mental health center, I was chosen to be on a team that specifically did anxiety and OCD treatment, and it seemed to be such the perfect fit because I feel like everybody can relate to anxiety and OCD obsessions because we all have these thoughts. We all have these intrusive thoughts that just pop up It's a taboo nature. Even though we might not all be diagnosed with OCD, we can all relate to some degree because, again, random stuff just pops up into our head and we're like, where did that come from? Absolutely, yeah. Totally, we can all totally relate to our clients in that nature.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I think that's a really important point. I mean, that's something I try to to tell people all the time. That with OCD, everyone has these thoughts. The difference between someone with OCD and someone who doesn't develop develop OCD is the fact that they don't take the thoughts so seriously. So, Mm -hmm. if you don't suffer with OCD, you get a thought that pops up into your head, and it's like, oh, that's a strange thought. But it's like immediately you kind of think, well. I'm just going to move on from that. But someone with OCD will spend, you know, hours worrying about what significance does that thought have? Like, why am I having that thought? No, it's,
1: that's exactly uh, it. Yes. Hmm. So that's why as I'm going through OCD treatment, I'm like, wow, I had all of these same thoughts. Like I can totally get it. So whether I just did ERP when I was really young and I never knew it, or I mean, these thoughts just never got to me. I just felt like I could totally get what clients were going through, just maybe not to that degree of distress. So it's kind of why yeah. I went into that field.
0: Okay, fantastic. Uh, next question. Um, Nath, no worries. In your opinion, like, what, is, what do you think is the underlying reason for, for why people develop OCD?
1: Yeah, so I tend to, I'm more research-based, I tend to go for more of the biological, neurological causes and some of the research that shows there are some neurotransmitter abnormalities, such as yeah. serotonin, dopamine, and also kind of the brain chemistry, some of the frontal, the, uh, the cortex, the thalamus, they just don't quite communicate right. Okay. Obviously we know that there's some genetic history, you're more likely to have OCD if somebody in the family does. Yeah. Um, but I tend to look at some more of the research about what's happening in the brain. I mean, there's some research there that shows that
0: yeah sure so you think it's uh it's probably something that's related to the brain and and uh you know uh, but also it, because it, it, in my experience it's kind of it's probably that that kind of causes it but then the the person tends to get into a very kind of negative like um thought pattern no it's a very kind of negative cognitive thought pattern that happens over time completely yeah
1: yeah that's why looking at all the different theories i mean there's the the um neurological theories, the cognitive theories, behavioral, mm. environmental. There's so many and each one. I'm like, yep, I think they all play a part.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: One definitive cause yet.
0: No, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think uh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so what treatment approaches do you do you follow in your work? And
1: so I'm primary exposure and response prevention. That's what okay. I've been trained in. Yep. I plan to as more and more people are using ACT. Yeah. Plan to obviously incorporate that more. I've been yeah, to some yeah. training, but I don't say that I'm trained in it fully. But yeah, yeah primary exposure and response prevention.
0: Okay, okay, uh, yeah, I, I'm actually doing some training in uh, in ACT right now, and I'm finding it incredibly helpful. I mean, for me, uh, when I was like kind of first kind of realized I had OCD about 10 years ago, uh, yeah. I came across uh, ACT. And it was the most useful thing I, I, I've come across in 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 dealing with OCD because I think it allows you to kind of um, to do exposure work like but throughout yeah. your day, you know um, ERP is very important as well and I I, I totally uh, you know like mm-hmm. I, I think it's probably the most important thing to do ERP, but I think like for me like a the, the complementary effect of doing ERP and act yeah. at the same time is is a great way to to deal with OCD.
1: Yeah, I think that's important. And while they're saying more and more, even though ERP is like kind of the gold standard treatment, they're saying use act in conjunction to it. So yeah. I'm like, I need to go get trained in that area as well.
0: Because <laughs> it's yeah. area
1: that's more and more helpful.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's really, really good. I think for me, it's more like a... Like, say, so ERP would be, like, the thing that I would do when I'm at home, okay, so, to yes. learn to deal with that anxiety and, and kind of not respond to it by performing uh, compulsion. However, the act is great because it's something that you can do kind of, like, throughout the day. So no matter what you're doing, you know, like, you can use it as, like, your philosophy of, like, this is how mm-hmm. I'm going to, li- like, live my life. I'm going to kind of, like, follow my values and I'm not going to allow OCD to push me around and not do the things that I care about. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly important. No? So, well,
1: yeah, because we can't always do ERP everywhere we go.
0: It's not possible. So <laughs> no, no.
1: That's on my to do list now. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I highly recommend on uh, PsychWire. There's a course that they're doing right oh, now. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, ACT.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay what are some indications of a person who's uh, going to be successful in their OCD treatment as opposed to someone who's uh, going to need more time?
1: Yeah, luckily, again, I've been very lucky that most of my clients come in, they are Mm. motivated, they recognize that this is not something that they want to struggle with any longer. And so that's, to me, usually the biggest indication that they're gonna do better, is that they're motivated and they want treatment, as opposed to somebody that's being drugged in and they're being forced to do treatment, which I don't see that often unless it's maybe a child. Um, Yeah. So again, that's the biggest indication is when somebody is willingly walking in here saying, please help me, I'll do anything. And they do. And when I'm able to tell them like, there is treatment that works, they follow the recommendations and it does.
0: Exactly. I think that's a really important message that people do understand that they don't have to continue suffering. There, it, There is yeah. treatment. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people uh, kind of, they have OCD and they know they have OCD, but maybe they're, you know, like they're worried about going to see a therapist or they're worried about opening up and there's still like the stigma of mental health and it stops people coming forward and it's it's such a shame.
1: Yeah, and they've received the wrong treatment for so long. I mean, mm-hmm. I get so many messages messages a day of seeing the wrong therapist or receiving the wrong treatment that then they're saying i'm just not going to go to therapy ever again and i'm like oh try one more time and here's a website to go to
0: well <laughs> yeah I, I completely empathize with that the same thing happened to me when i um, you know kind of before i knew it was kind of ocd i was going to see a psychologist and they were telling me to kind of like you know to counter the thoughts with positive thoughts or Or whatever but obviously like that's uh that's performing a compulsion Um, and that's the most unhelpful advice they could have given me you know and so so many people I think have that
1: um oh completely and again part of it's just ignorance most providers just don't know they think they're doing kind of regular anxiety treatment or they haven't diagnosed correctly and they don't know the harm that they're doing yeah so unfortunately it's hurting clients yeah Um, yeah Mm-hmm.
0: yeah difficult okay um how does erp work um is it always the best option for patients in mm-hmm. your opinion
1: Yeah. so i'm like i said right now because it is still the gold standard treatment and i'm very research-based i will only do evidence-based treatments yeah and i know we said like act is great in conjunction too so i'm gonna go on PsychWire and find that training <laughs> <laughs> so the way i kind of explain erp to clients is i break it down exposure is the first part where and I know you know this, but to kind of to your listeners, we're yeah. going to gradually, and that's the first part I explain because exposure mm. sounds so scary to the average person. Absolutely. They yeah. They equate exposure with flooding, which was an old school tactic,
0: mm. which is
1: like, oh, you're scared of spiders. We're gonna throw a handful of spiders at you, and that's flooding and that's traumatizing <laughs> and does not work. Exposure,
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exposure yeah. is gradually, um purposely showing you what that fear is whether the fear is just a thought or the fear is an actual situation or the fear is a physical feeling and we're Mm. going to confront that fear until your body habituates to it and what's great is habituation is just a physiological process it just happens you have no control over it it's going to happen you're going to habituate or get used to it whether you want to or not so it's awesome exposure works
0: so in a way it's it's kind of tuning into to the body's own way of healing no it's like if the body does that anyway if it habituates to that sensation and that awkward feeling then it's tuning into the body's own intelligence you know
1: it's a great way of putting it exactly and i usually give some metaphors of other ways our body habituates not even just to fear but to situations whether it's we habituate to senses, whether it's a cold pool, you know, you get into a cold pool and at first it's really, really cold, but over time it's like, oh, this isn't so cold. Like, yeah, I could uh, swim in this all day. Absolutely. When you're yeah. in a situation so long, it's not so bad. And so people understand exposure or practice makes perfect. Once you do something so long, it's not so bad. And so I explained that's just the first part. That's exposure. Response prevention is eliminating the compulsions, which sometimes is just as hard because we've gotten used to doing these almost safety behaviors or these rituals Mm. to get rid of the anxiety yeah so we have to identify all those which sometimes is just as hard because yeah you can engage in hundreds of compulsions not even know that those are what they are
0: and how do you advise the people so when they're doing these exposures what Mm -hmm. advice do you give them to, to try not to do their their compulsions when they're when they're doing the the exposure work
1: good question because I would love to be able to like just sit with them all the time and like Mm. (laughs) slap their hand and tell them not to yeah but sometimes we come up with a response prevention plan which is okay when you want to go and wash your hands or something instead it's going to be we come up with a plan of what to do instead like I'm going to just sit with my hands in my lap and stare at them yeah sometimes it's almost creating kind of get telling them the plan of what to do instead but we don't want that to become a compulsion too because it could be yeah, it's very tricky like OCD. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so sometimes it's just easy. I shouldn't say easy, but to say don't do this compulsion. And some clients just stop the compulsion. But for some that are trickier, we have to come up with that plan and write it out, saying, okay, you're wanting to go and grab the hand sanitizer and put it all yeah. over your body. Instead, hand sanitizer yeah. have to stay in that place, and you have to just stare at the germs yeah. on your body.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, yep. It's tough, but it's, yeah, it's what you have to do. And yes. uh, I, I think you're totally right. having having a plan sometimes with these things, particularly when you're starting out, is incredibly helpful. You know if you have a plan, then you know, okay, th- this is what I have to do. rather than kind of like thinking about it and thinking, oh, should I do this or should I do that? If it's written down, then then you know exactly what you need to do. and that's yeah. that's more yeah, helpful. And I
1: like clients know, you're gonna make mistakes. Our goal is not to get to zero compulsions the first day. like that's just impossible. Even I mm. make mistakes. But if we can eliminate it and slowly ban the compulsions over time. So I have them keep track of like, how many times did you resist the compulsions today? And did you slowly, did we slowly get rid of them?
2: Yeah. Because again,
1: eliminate them more often than not, again, is still progress, but I don't expect anybody to do it perfectly the first time.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Or and it, time it, it be takes better. time, yeah. Absolutely. And just just another question related to this, whilst we're on the the subject, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like out of out of ten, like when you first start doing the exposures, like what level of anxiety, like should you be aiming for to to kind of expose yeah. yourself to?
1: So I always started kind of how I was taught it was from a scale of zero to ten, ten being like the hardest exposure, zero being the easiest, mm. like about a three to four level. Because how I was okay. taught, like those one to two, that rankings like. Those are doable. That's probably how a lot of us just feel generally all day. day. (laughs) When
0: you get out of bed in the morning, it's like, oh.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And that is a manageable level of anxiety. Like we can tolerate that level of distress. We don't want to start with the hardest ones. I'm not going to have you. That's why I say we gradually build up. I'm not going to have you start with your 10, your biggest exposure. But three to four is a good level to start with. Yeah. And then as you master that, it kind of gains that confidence. Like, okay, now I'm ready to hit that five. Now I'm ready for that six. Yeah. And again, that's why we kind of just bump it up over time. And once you get to that 10, that 10 not so hard. It's not so scary. Yeah. I was always taught like start with the three to four level. That's doable, but yeah. it's still, it's still difficult.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what responsibilities do you think that the the because obviously yourself as as the therapist and the counsellor you you know like you are responsible for for the treatment process and but at the same time it's it's important that the client you know um, comes to the situation with you know, motivated and and ready to do to do the work as well. So, what are the responsibilities do you think of the the client in that situation? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, actually. The way I explain it to clients is I I kind of expect them and most of them learn the treatment, learn ERP like just as well as I do. In fact, some of them partially could be a compulsion. They learn ERP better than I do. Yeah. But the reason this can be so good is because I'm not always going to be here for them. Not that I'm dying or anything, but they're not going to be in treatment with me forever. At some point, they're going to terminate. But OCD is lifelong they're still still going to have OCD new obsessions are going to pop up and I want them to be able to manage it after yeah, they're yeah. not in treatment anymore. And so my goal for them, and I always tell them this is I want them to become their own therapist so that they know ERP inside and out and they're able to identify, Oh, this is a new obsession here would be um, appropriate exposures to do. Oh, these are the compulsions I'm doing. This is what I need to eliminate. So I want to train them so well, not just to be like their aid during therapy, but so that when I'm not there physically, they could do this without me. That is always my goal. And Absolutely. yes, I'm still here for booster sessions, but what, what if I retire? What if I move? They could do this without me.
0: Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly like what the aim is, you know, to, to allow the person to have that ability to, um, to go through their life and, and be able to deal with OCD in a positive way. And sometimes, yeah, maybe they'll need to check in. But uh, yeah. you know, like hopefully they'll be able to kind of spend... you know, Mm -hmm. most of their days kind of not focused on the O C D and living their life. Which is
1: exactly yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's very powerful and very confidence building, saying like, okay, I had a new obsession that popped up this morning and I handled it like a boss because I knew what the treatment was.
0: Yeah. It's it's an it's an amazing feeling. I mean that's that's more or less the place where I've got to now myself with my experience of O C D is, you know, that sometimes thoughts like we as we discussed at the start of the uh, the podcast like sometimes for everyone strange thoughts pop up and you know like they do for me and sometimes they're related to some of my old obsessions and they come up and I might catch myself after five minutes of ruminating about a thought and obsessing about it I haven't even realized I was doing that but as soon, like these days as soon as I've realized oh I'm thinking about that thought it's like right I'm now not going to do that. I'm now going to put my attention on this thing that I value in this moment. And uh, the anxiety will remain. Uh, but that's not a problem because I'm just going to get on with doing this thing. And then after a few minutes, the anxiety tends to go down. And, uh-huh. you know, like that obsession that I had is completely gone. Um, and I think that for me is like as as close as I will get to recovery. That, that for me is recovery, you know, from OCD because uh-huh. it's yeah. like... You know, like Mm -hmm. the OCD isn't bothering me like at all. But like, it's just sometimes, you know, I might think about something and then for a few minutes I'll be caught up in it. But as soon as I realize, it's like I can drop it. And I have that flexibility and and, uh, the confidence to do that. And it's, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. It's really empowering. It feels really good.
1: That's great. Yeah, that's how I hope everybody gets to.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. and so you you have your own uh, clinic um, Yep, yeah i
1: have a private practice uh-huh
0: okay but you also work online as well
1: um i used to i used to do um teletherapy sessions okay honestly the only reason i don't do them right now is just because i would be seeing everybody here in kansas <laughs> everybody would be booking so now i right. limit it to whoever will drive to me
0: <laughs> okay fair enough yeah <laughs> Um, what do you think are some of the pros and cons though of of therapy online as opposed to therapy in person
1: yeah honestly it was all when I did it it was all pros everything worked out well I've done ERP online yeah yeah it worked it worked just as well I know some therapists and even clients wonder like is it going to be clunky is it going to be awkward yeah Um, yeah the rapport going to be different and nothing was awkward at least not on my part the clients didn't say anything yeah so the only i don't even know if this is so much a con but like just a memo to like their business just to make sure that they're accurately trained as far mm-hmm. as risks and even knowing that i mean if you have a client that's not in your same town you have to be prepared for what if there's a safety concern you're yeah. not right there you need to know who to refer to that's in their town so, I mean, that's not even a con. You just need to be, you need to be trained in teletherapy. But I thought everything <laughs> been great. I just don't have the availability to see everybody in the state of Kansas that <laughs> started calling yeah. me.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, what, what are your opinions on teletherapy?
0: No, I, I think it's great. I think it's, uh, you know, like it's for, for some people who, who live in places where they can't find an OCD therapist, you know, because yeah. unfortunately they're, there are, there are some amazing therapists out there but but in some places there's there's not physical places where you can go to and find a specialist so if you can go on, on online and find the right kind of help um that's amazing you know like mm-hmm. it's it's going could be the difference between someone you know suffering with OCD in the long run and not so for me mm-hmm. yeah i think it's 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 great if you can find online therapy great if you can If you're really struggling, then maybe it's you know helpful to see someone in person. I think. Yeah. I yeah.
1: There is. I I don't even know how to put into words. Just a different feel when somebody's right here in person. Like almost Mm. a different connection. Yeah. I mean that. But yeah, I mean as long as you're seeing somebody, somebody's better than nothing. So exactly. I love that's an option now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, Okay. My next question is. some people, particularly with pure O, mm-hmm. uh, find it very hard to determine if they're performing compulsions or not. Um, do you have any tips for them to, to help them to identify their compulsions?
1: Yeah, I my usual go-to question, because a lot of people, whether pure O or any kind of OCD, people don't realize that their compulsions are compulsions. There are so many different kinds mm, outside yep. the stereotypical you know, washing your hands, (laughs) flipping light switches on and off. And so my go-to question is just always asking, did you do or even think anything that made your anxiety go away? Like, did you do anything to try to relieve that anxiety or obsession? And then all of a sudden clients come up with a ton of things. Well, I try, I mentally thought of a stop button and turned it off. Or I started thinking about my cat or I started counting. And like, all of a sudden, when you just ask them like, did you do anything else to try to make that anxiety go away? All of a sudden they, they can think of a ton of different things. They just want to put it in that compulsion box yeah. because their idea of a compulsion looks totally different. And then I'm like, well, avoidance, cognitive avoidance is a compulsion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously praying is a compulsion, distracting is a compulsion, and then they can come up with them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, and anything that you're doing that is to try to reduce your anxiety or level of anxiety is, is a compulsion for sure. And it's amazing. Like what, you know, what kind of things we can end up doing to, to try to, to lower that anxiety. OCD is incredibly creative in a way. No.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and even like coping skills that we have learned for years to reduce anxiety that we think are good coping skills during an obsession we're like oh my gosh we just use that to try to avoid our obsession and it's like yeah well going to your happy place
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's
1: your compulsion
0: (laughs) it's it's so true i mean i I think and in a way it's it's not people's fault because we're told by everyone by society by our parents by by our teachers by our friends that anxiety is bad it's not a good thing to to experience anxiety so if you have it then you need to do something about it you need to push you need to Take yeah a do like, yeah that like... think positively like and uh yeah. unfortunately all of these things are the things that keep people trapped because wow. whenever they start trying to push the anxiety away obviously you know it's going to come back stronger and that's what keeps the kind of vicious cycle of OCD going
1: mm-hmm. got it
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: so that's my go-to question is I take the word compulsion just completely out of it and just say do you do anything else
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense absolutely <laughs> okay good um who are two people have been the most influential to you in your in your career
1: are you ready for my sappy cliche answer because i was trying to
0: think
1: you know are there any is there anybody that in my professional field that's been Mm. influential but honestly my sappy answer are both my parents again it's so cliche but i have the most amazing parents that. They're great. They have great work ethic, the great relationship, great parents, everything. And I think (laughs) I could change fields a million times and they'll support it. I could try to do uh, write a million books and they'll support it. I could do any kind of crazy thing and they'll think it's amazing. They're just those parents that'll praise whatever I try to do.
0: That's that's lovely. That's lovely. Do you know what? I I nearly I nearly put into the question, though, like apart from your parents.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You knew someone was going to say that. It's so true. <laughs> I'll have to come up with a professional person. And I'll no, no, no. You. no.
0: <laughs> it's fair, fair enough. I think it's a nice answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is the most important message uh, you can tell people who, who suffer with OCD? Yeah,
1: uh, in your opinion? I know we, we kind of hit on this earlier. Yeah. But letting them know that there is treatment. The relief I see on clients' faces when they come in, and I feel awful they come in just in tears or physically shaking, almost afraid to tell me I've had this sexual thought, I've had this harming thought, I've had this religious blasphemous thought. And then I let them know that there is treatment available and it is just like this weight lifted off of them. Like, Mm. oh my gosh, I have had this for 20 years and nobody has told me this. And I let them know like, yeah, I actually just treated somebody with your exact same thought. And they were yeah. done in eight months or they were done in six months. Yeah. And I just want to get that message out there to everyone, however I can. Social media, on podcasts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: treatment. yeah. So I love what you're doing because the more people that can hear it, the better.
0: Oh, thank you very much. No, I think I, I, I totally agree. I think it's incredibly important. You know, some of these obsessions can be terrifying for some people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the fact that, you know, there's treatment out there and it's, it works, it really does work is, is, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a lifesaver for some people because it can be so hard to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, yeah that's great. Yep,
1: so if, that, if that's my one message, that's going to be it.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. Um, and you, uh, recently you created the OCD coloring book. <laughs> Can you, yes. can you tell me some more about that, please?
1: Yeah, so luckily I've gotten good feedback. I was so nervous to see what not only the OCD community was going to think, but the general mm. public, because as yeah. you know, not everybody understands OCD.
0: No, not <laughs> at all. I was afraid
1: of the hate messages I was going to receive about my last <laughs> pages, but yeah. I was doing, as, as exposures, you know, different doodles and coloring pages with clients,
2: yeah. um,
1: like Actually, the exact exposure I was doing was somebody was triggered by the word hell. Hell would just pop up into their mind. Mm. And, you know, if that popped into my mind, I'd be like, oh, weird. And I'd keep moving on. But for them, it was like, what does this mean? Does this mean I'm going to hell? Or is God mad at me? Is God punishing me? So I'm like, we started doing hell exposures. We started looking up songs that had hell in it, like Highway to Hell. We started coloring hell. I made the coloring page hell. Dude, okay. we made hell look so pretty. It was the coolest coloring page.
2: <laughs>
1: and then I'm like, I thought it was the coolest idea ever, so I made the whole coloring book. And yeah, now it's out on Amazon. And I, like I said, I that was my anxiety. I was so nervous. Yeah. More about the general public and what my mom was gonna think, because I'm sure she thinks I'm going to hell because I. <laughs> have these awful, <laughs> awful coloring pages
0: yeah yeah but so many people don't understand the uh they don't, don't understand it mean, at all
1: understand but hmm. luckily you and I do so that's all that matters
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah but
1: I've gotten such a great response not only from therapists that are using it but messages from clients people with OCD that are saying like why did I not have this years ago like I can make the word incest look pretty and realize it's just a word yeah
0: so, yeah that's yeah, yeah, how yeah.
1: it came about so far so good
0: no, no, well, well like well done like for for you. I think it's a really great initiative and and you can find that on, on Amazon right now. Yeah, or is it?
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: <laughs> okay. Great. Um now is there if you could be in my shoes and um you could like ask me a question that I haven't already asked, what question would you would you ask yourself?
1: Yeah, I assume that you did a great job with all your questions. So Not that we need (laughs) any more, but I was thinking like what are probably some of the most common themes that I see? Yeah, because again, we know the stereotypical obsessions that people think of. And yes, I do treat those, you know, the the contamination, the ordering and arranging. But honestly, the most common ones I get in my office are of the more taboo nature, I get the harming themes the most, like, what if I just stab my spouse, Or especially when things happen in the media, I get a lot of, what if I just shoot up my workplace? What if I shoot up my school? And again, if you're coming into my office worried about this thought, you're not going to do it. Because somebody that actually wants to do this, they're not going to come into my office crying, fearful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) They're
1: not remorseful about a thought. Absolutely. (laughs) I get the harming themes the most. And second to that, I get the sexual and sexual orientation themes. What if I'm attracted to my friend or somebody of the same gender or even if somebody is homosexual they worry about what if I'm heterosexual or what if I'm attracted to my brother yeah it's very very common yeah yeah so those actually seem to be the most the two most common themes yet they're the least talked about in public and online so isn't that interesting
0: Yeah no no I think it's a really good point. It's it's so interesting that uh, so many people with OCD worry about the harm that they could cause. For example, um, and it's like 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 you were just saying, it's like if you're having these kind of thoughts, uh, you know, like you're, it's it's because you're so worried. Like it shows that you're a good person that you would never do this kind of thing. No. And, you know it's yeah. It's, I uh, always
1: joke around that. I'm like, you're the least likely person to harm somebody because you're afraid of your thought. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, when it comes to exposures, again, kind of joke around. I'm like, I would feel completely comfortable, like letting you hold a knife, letting you hold a knife next to me. Because again, you're so afraid of a thought. Yeah. You're going to be so afraid to even hold that knife or near me.
2: Like, yeah.
1: you're the safest person in the world. You should be more afraid of me <laughs> than somebody yeah than yourself but yeah, yeah that yeah, is yeah. the most common theme i see
0: okay great yeah. and um so if people wanted to to work with you and get in touch with you uh how can they do that
1: yeah so um best way i have my website which is my name followed by my license it's amandalcpc.com or if people are on social media yeah. my instagram is AnxietyOCDTreatment.
0: So,
1: okay the best way
0: fantastic okay well, I think that wraps up the, the questions. Uh, thank you so much for your time. It was uh, it's great talking to you. You too. And, uh, Thanks. Yeah. I hope you found that interesting today. I certainly did and learned a lot. Uh, remember, if you want to know more, you can go to my Instagram page or to my uh, website www.robertjamescoaching.com and please tune in for the next podcast. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional.